Holly G with the Golf Insiders with my special guest, the one, the only, Dr. Bob Winters, mental game guru. Dr. Bob, welcome. How are you holding up in this pandemic? Tell us how to change our mind, change our game inside this crazy time. Well, it's sort of change your mind, change your game, and ultimately change your life, or at least save your life. And it's great to be you know, on the show with you, Holly. Uh, it's always great to be part of the, the Golf Insider team and your mindset. Uh, I'm doing you know, really very well because I've uh, been part of all of this exploration and uh, investigation, everything about the viruses, and really doing you know, my part to uh, help keep people very positive during you know, these tough times because what we have isn't just a pandemic. It's really sort of a panic-demic and not to minimize anything at all. Uh, but to celebrate everyone's life and know that uh, anytime you know someone passes, it, it's a terrible thing. But at the same time, I you know celebrate you know those people who are actually fighting this and they're fighting it off with their immune systems and they're getting on the other side of it. And I think that's really what all of us you know need to sort of uh, put our faith in that you know if we're strong, we get through this. If, if you think about this, Holly, the evolution of man, uh, we have gone through plagues, uh, ravaging pathogenic diseases. We've gone through smallpox, chickenpox, polio, Ebola, uh, just tuberculosis. We've gone through a lot of different things, a lot of different viruses, and we have come out stronger for it. So hopefully with this covid uh, we'll understand it a lot more and actually move through it. So uh, I'm, you know, doing fine. You know, my family, everybody here, April, we're all doing fine and uh, doing a lot of uh, outside work uh, because, you know, the sunshine and the fresh air, I mean, those are Mother Nature's uh, natural uh, disinfectants. They really help keep the immune system, you know, very healthy. So that's what we've been doing. How are you holding up? Well, we've been very lucky being here in Florida, I must say. Uh, I've speak to many of my friends in the Northeast, and, um, you know, it's a, a much different picture, as we know, in the New York and New Jersey and, um, you know, Boston area in which we, we have many friends. Um, in terms of, you know, down here, too, in the Central Florida area, the golf courses you know, largely have stayed open, which has, I think, been fortunate for for us. Uh, the, you know, measures that the courses have taken seem to have, you know, fit in very well with, you know, the, the social distancing and the precautions with the virus. Have you, I haven't played, have you been out to play at all? Yeah, I've exactly been out to play, and I've actually even had uh, a few lessons uh, doing a lot of virtual online lessons, but I've had some person-to-person, uh, -person, one-on-one lessons. The nice thing is that many of the golf courses uh, really, really have great 
sterile standards, if you will. I mean, they wipe down all the cards very carefully, uh, meticulously. Uh, you ride one person in a cart. And for me, I mean, that's sort of really what, you know, my uh, playing lessons and, and sports psychology lessons are all about. They're sort of like, you know, group therapy, walk therapy, you know, one-on-one therapy. I mean, I'm like 15 to 16 feet, you know, from my students. And uh, we just sort of share ideas back and forth and give critiques and feedback. And so I've, I've been okay with that. And But the golf courses, because they haven't had much play, and they've been in you know, beautiful shape. They really are. And uh, I just know everybody up north, like you say. I, uh, you know, We're sort of a little bit removed from it. Obviously, we're doing everything we can. We've been staying at home, quarantined. We've been locked down, but also we've had a chance to move, to get out, uh, to get to the golf course. But when I hear and talk to some of my people, I was talking to uh, my publisher just the other day. He's had two of his good friends. Obviously, they're in Manhattan. Uh, two of his good friends have passed. Uh, he knows five other people that are critically ill. Uh, so New York is sort of this epicenter, and it's it's a much different picture than we have. So by the grace of God, here we are, and uh, so we're we're sort of you know moving moving through this. But I'm really very appreciative of these golf course staying open because the late Steve Jobs uh, he said that the six best doctors in the world, he said one of them is sunlight, it's sunshine. Uh, the next best doctor in the world is exercise. Then you've got diet, rest, and sleep. Then he talks about self-confidence. And then he said the final best doctor in the world you know, are your friends. And having a nice balance of that you know, really puts things in perspective. And so that's the, that's the great thing is that a lot of us are finding ways to stay in touch via Skype, Zoom, iPhones, whatever, uh, you know, Instagram. Uh, we're doing a lot of different things now uh, that are keeping us very connected. And what we have to realize is that man, homo sapiens, man and woman, people, are very social creatures. And that they really, you know, like the Barbara Streisand song, people, you know, needing people, are the luckiest people in the world. And that's sort of really what golf is. And golf is a great, huge, united family. And uh, it's it's nice, you know, to see people smiling, laughing, getting outdoors, and, and enjoying the sunshine. So for those of the, you know, those who are north or the golf course has been closed down, uh, just keep the faith because, you know, we're getting around this and you'll be on the golf course soon enough. So, uh, hopefully, you know, we send them, you know, a lot of patience and a lot of prayers. Well, the PGA tour announced last week that they will be resuming their schedule with the colonial tournament in Texas beginning June in June. What are your thoughts about that? And, you know, a lot of uh, conversation on social media right now about, uh, you know, how, how are some of these tournaments going to work? I, what most of what comes to mind is the Ryder Cup without fans. What, what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts, you know, are, yeah, I, I think golf is perhaps one of these sports other than, you know, the crowd factor that it's, it's golf is a, a great 
recreational activity. Obviously, you've got the sunshine, the vitamin D, you've got the exercise, you've got sort of the mental and the emotional uh, togetherness, but you are still separate. Um, I know that the Charles Schwab Challenge is going to be June 11th through the 14th. I mean, originally it was supposed to be here about the third week in May, so they've moved it back. And because there's been some tournaments canceled, much like the Open Championship and, and others, uh, they've been sort of moved around. The Memorial's been moved around from you know May and the Memorial uh, Day to more like the middle of July. So. To have golf tournaments without the fans, I think we have to do this in baby steps. Okay, so we don't have the fans. However, we need you know to be able to watch something. I think being able to watch something on on TV, uh, to be able to you know ha- have that uh, access to watching our favorite superstars, you know, because golfers really are entertainers. They're celebrities, even though they are elite professional athletes. There's there's huge entertainment factor. And just for us, just to have that that momentum, that tipping point, that, oh, we, we now have something to look forward to, I think that's a huge factor here, Holly. I do as well. Um, you know, as we know, we've been to many tournaments uh, you know, the early rounds, there aren't a lot of crowds. Uh, you know, college golf tournaments, we've all played them in them where, uh, you know, not necessarily a lot of crowds, but uh, certainly for golf fans, which there are many of, as well as just sports fans in general. We, we want that entertainment back, you know, bring it on. Fans or no fans, let's, uh, let's, let's watch it on TV. Well, I, I happen to believe that it's going to be a little bit different watching on TV. Having talked, you know, some of my players uh, here recently, uh, one of the overall consensus, you know, that keeps coming from popular opinion from some of the touring professionals is that the golf course will look so much different. The fairways won't be that well-defined, you know, with crowds right. like the fairways, especially around the green. Uh, they happen to believe that they're going to have a lot of balls that are probably lost, balls that have actually, you know, been hit, you know, into the crowd, a spectator, and get deflected back or maybe get kicked back into the fairway. Uh, now they're going to have to play it like they used to in the old days when they played by themselves on a golf course. So I'm sure it's going to be a little strange for them, but it's still golf, and that's really what professional golfers do. Um, uh, you know, not just like amateurs, because, you know, the word amateur means for the love of uh, being a professional golf. You have that love, but you are also, it's your career, you're playing for money. So uh, they'll adapt. And I think those competitive juices, when it comes around here to June, tell you what, there's no one going to be suffering from being stale or being burned out, okay? So no one has that excuse, Holly. So everyone's going to have their batteries recharged, energized, ready to go. One of the things that we may have a problem seeing, and it's not an issue uh, unless, you know, you're just uh, a huge international player fan, but because of the travel restrictions, we may not see some of the top 25 players internationally in the world here in America, you know, down in Texas when we kick, you know, kick this off. So other than those international players who have domiciles here in America, we may not see a lot of, you know, the top international players. But as long as we get started, as long as we get going here, 
I think, you know, things will really work out. Well, one thing that has changed dramatically with technology over, you know, the last couple of decades has been the ability for teachers to give online lessons and, you know, certainly to, you know, shoot video and be able to, you know, work remotely. I know you do this a lot with, with your players. So share a little bit, you know, how you work with people, somebody's listening and, you know, they want to sit down and have a conversation with Dr. Bob about how they can improve their game, the mental side of the game. Well, that's a really, you know, hard question to answer. But no, not really being facetious here. Uh, it's very easy. They can actually just go to my website, theconfidencedoctor.com or drbobwinters.com. I've got my phone numbers there. And they can actually contact me directly, and we set something up. And this is a great thing about what I think is phone coaching, virtual coaching, whether we do Skype or we do Zoom or we do Instagram, whatever we do here. But I always tell people I see a lot over the phone, I mean, through my ears. I sort of sense the emphasis you know, on a, a particular subject if someone's talking about lacking confidence. It's always leading to this discussion. And I think a lot of times for me, over the phone uh, versus seeing someone in person, they have sort of that protectedness of I'm talking to you over the phone, but I feel safe here in my own home talking to you about something very sensitive. So for me, you know, working over the phone is, is a great way for me to connect, you know, with my player. And and I think I've become pretty good over these many, many years, really just sort of hand carrying people, you know, these are the steps you need to do. And we do a lot of question and answers. I have them write things down, you know, I say, okay, give me a call back in 30 minutes, you know, think about this, process this, write some things down. And we will actually go on this uh, discovery on this subjective exploratory discovery about, you know, really, you know, what are you doing when you're playing your best? What are you doing when you're not playing so well? You know, what is it that you would like to aspire to be? And how do we create this reality? So those are some things. Plus, I've been doing a lot of podcasts, been doing a lot of uh, Instagram live sessions. Uh, we're also doing some webinars here. And a couple I'd like to talk about, we're doing a lot for a lot of these junior golf tours, the Hurricane Junior Golf Tour, which has really become one of the largest grassroots developmental tours here in the United States. Uh, they're going to kick up here starting on May the 2nd. Uh, they're starting to fire up with their tournaments. So we're doing another webinar next week about just getting your mind, you know, getting ready to play. And we're just going to hand carry them from a week before to a couple of days before the night before. And what should you expect, you know, in this tournament? So that's going to be on, you know, a webinar that I'm doing. But, yeah, that's just how people – that's how we do it. I mean, I just – you know, I just love to uh, listen to players and help them and help them in any way I can. But I think for the listeners – and you've known me for a long time – and I don't, I don't really want to talk about how long it is because it dates us a little bit. But I was out there in the field of mental performance, golf psychology performance, even before we even had a lot of Ph.D. programs that actually you know, had sports psychology. So Very I true. had, Yeah, I had a background in sports vision 
and in hypnotherapy and positive psychology. I had my bachelor's, a couple of master's degrees, you know, working towards things, uh, you know, towards my PhDs and uh, different things like that. So uh, whether it was motor learning, motor development, neuropsychology, educational psychology, my playing experiences, coaching experiences, my Nike golf schools. So all of these things sort of helps give me sort of what I call this empathic awareness to help a player. So if I can't help you through a a basic sports psychology intervention, I will go into motor learning, motor development theories. I will go back into my sports vision training, my emergency medical training. Uh, A lot of people don't realize I became a, EMT, first responder, went into some paramedic training back in the early 80s. And that's really where I learned about, you know, what's really, you know, crucial to life support. I mean, I hear players say, I'm dying out here all the time. No, you know, that's, you know, dying in a physical performance like in golf and really fighting for your life and working in an ambulance is, is two totally different things. And that's the one thing that I, always, I will always cherish my whole life is because when you have to know what you know in order to save someone or to uh, you know, facilitate you know, the life support system of someone, you really better know what the sand hell you're doing. And that's really one of the things uh, in my background that I feel most proud of is that uh, I've, I've gone through a lot of different things in order to become the person I am today. So I, I've been pretty fortunate, Holly. I've been kind of trained by some of the best to hopefully be the best. I mean, the best in the world in a lot of different areas, whether it's sports vision, sports psychology, sports medicine, uh, emergency medicine. So I've been very, very fortunate, took advantage of a lot of opportunities, gave away a lot of opportunities. But like I say, you can't do everything, right, Holly? I mean, you've done so many wonderful things in your career. And uh, I mean, your CV, your Vita, your resume is is sparkling. Uh, But it's amazing. You know, when people start talking about all the stuff, you know, that a person has done in their life, you always look back and go, hmm, I think I could have done more. <laughs> you know, really, I think I think that's really the way I think about it. I think, you know, you know, what have I done? Uh, have I taken advantage of every opportunity? And can I give more back? Well, tell me what it, you've worked with, you know, many, many pros, but also a lot of amateurs. Uh-huh. What do you think is the biggest Achilles heel mentally for most average Joes out there and average Josephines? Okay. I think it's this. I think it's, you know, the overwhelming focus of score, of results, and of ego and reputation. I really do. I mean, the first thing that people ask Holly Gagan when she comes in from around the golf, it isn't, hey, did you have a great time out there? Did you stay emotionally stable on every shot? And did you give your best on every shot? They don't ask you that. The first question they always ask you is, hey, what'd you shoot? (laughs) And even if they don't even ask you that, Holly, they'll say, well, how did you play? And I always love when people ask me that. I will give them sort of this very different answer. I'll say, well, I really struck it well, struck it very effectively, hit about 12 out of 14 fairways. By, you know, when I give them sort of this discourse, they'll stop me. They'll go, no, 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 no. What did you shoot? So for most average players, 
I think they get lost in score, results, and outcomes. And the reason they do is because we all get lost in expectations. And I think the expectations about golf really get in our way. And let me explain that a little bit. An expectation is something that you believe should happen or could or you want to have happen or you hope may happen. There's this expectancy factor there. And the biggest problem with most people is that what they expect via their imagination and what they actually experience in real life, there's a huge expectation gap between there because their results don't equal or match that high expectation. And so they become frustrated, angry, and disappointed. And that right there is really where we have the uh, the unhappiness, the dissatisfaction, the frustration in golf, because everyone wants to go out and play unbelievably well. They've been thinking about it all week, and then when they go out and go play, they're going, Scheiser, okay, I screwed up again. <laughs> you know. So again, their results don't match their preconceived expectations. That is the Achilles heel that affects almost everyone, just not average players. It affects everybody. And when you got that career round going, you've had those five birdies on the front nine. You're playing out of your mind. What's your advice to the average person, the average golfer, to stay in the zone, to keep that round going? Well, that's the whole point, isn't it? Because when you're out of your mind, when we talk about unconscious or subconscious golf, really, and it goes right back to 